Hello and welcome to an episode of Holy and Human. You may hear our birds in the background. We're in a different room because it is cooler and we have AC in this part of the house. I talked to one of my clients in Arizona the other day and I was like, we were worried about the heat. It was going to be 84 degrees. And she just started laughing like, yeah, 84 degrees. I know. They're like heat waves in the Northwest. <laughs> it's, I mean, today it's, it's 90, but it's like, is yeah, we're 90? just, I just think we become wimps. We're just well, used to. Well, nobody really has AC up here. Yeah. You know. 20 years ago, they didn't make homes with AC. People actually didn't want AC because they were like, you know, trying to be efficient. And now everyone's now realizing it. Yeah. it is warmer. So first news is that we are still alive. We're alive. We've gotten so many emails of people <laughs> being like, um, are you ever, ever doing a podcast doing again? I've heard about, we got one that was like, I've heard about people taking a break from social media, but this is <laughs> oh my gosh. ridiculous. It's funny you say that because I heard somebody the other day being like, I'm taking a break from social media. And I think like we have the opposite problem where we, we feel so media. very much not, I don't know, motivated or we influenced yeah, by not, the pressure of yeah, social media yeah. that i think people think we die and the thing is i want to actually be more engaged in it but then it's just like life gets so busy and then you're we're always doing sessions and other things and it's like and why <laughs> and why would we do it why is the feeling sometimes like, like why would gonna... we bother to put yeah, it up there i mean i like podcasts podcasts are great yeah but we're we just, just chatting yeah we have the opposite problem we're not engaged so engaged with social media we need breaks it's so many steps to like think of something put it in words yeah. make an image actually upload it maybe to the internet a, a write a caption for us to tell everybody <laughs> we're taking breaks <laughs> so we seem less lazy about I know. Uh, I feel so bad about how much I haven't sent an email. I haven't sent an email. Like, I send one email a year. <laughs> like, I'm basically one email a year. Like, it's so not what you're supposed to do. Um, well, we also started this business before, like, <laughs> social media was, like, the way people ran their businesses, you know? Well, and, some people were, but... Yeah, I think we're always coming at it from a different energetic angle. I think we do more like energetic prayer and the bat signal of tapping into the audience that way. So we're so engaged in that, like kind of the energetics of the business that it's almost like actually feels kind of redundant by the time you say it out loud or like... I don't know how to explain it, but it's yeah. kind of like, we've been astrally saying this and then people have been picking it up. But then it's also like, the reason I want to do it is because... There is just something about, um, I don't know, hosting that space in that way and having that type of engagement in that way. There's something nice about like that type of touchstone and community and feeling yeah, everybody I mean, in is, that way. It is cool to connect with people on a form that's not sessions and to feel like feel it's meaningful, you know, to, to engage in that way. And mm-hmm. you can feel people on the other end, even if you're doing a little story or something. Uh, yeah. I think we're yeah always so um, mostly attuned to the energetic reasons behind something. So for even any post on social media, we're always feeling like it, it's not. And I I just go back to it's not just what what are they saying? It's what were their motives for posting it? Mm-hmm. What percent is from love or fear? And I think since that's our orientation for our own posting too, there's a lot of like kind of like emotional labor, spiritual labor, and awareness that goes into like anything we're publicly saying. Um, but also 
just because I think we kind of do hold it in reverence. Like this is a form of connecting and communicating with people and we want it to be kind of like not in response to some type of like marketing virus that is like the subconscious matrix pressure to do things in a certain way in terms of business or whatever. And, yeah. But at the same time, it's fun to play within all of it in a way that just feels good. And you hear me talk all the time just alone about like, I wish there were, I had better systems to kind of record that, which is why we did the podcast actually. Cause it yeah. was one way of like, we're always doing and talking about this stuff. And then it feels like such effort sometimes like Sisyphusian to kind of like get all of that content actually like edited and uploaded and online. And so it's like the systems in place to make it easier to just um, convey the content yeah well i was actually talking on a session uh recently about how i will tell different people different things on individual sessions because i'm intuitively feeling what is the perfect medicine for this person right yeah. now and this person their medicine may be like hey you need to not sit your butt down and meditate every morning because you have this perfectionism pressure on your spirituality and we need to like loosen it up and find the love relationship with that again or somebody else might be like hey you're really burning out and you really need to be doing that and so we're always teaching on an individual level on like one-on-ones and then we almost have to shift hats to going to teaching yeah. a larger audience and the, it's a little harder to teach broad truths when we feel like everybody's soul lessons are so specific mm-hmm. and people but, are at different places of consciousness so yeah. it's kind of like one, we always say this, but one person's medicine is another person's poison if you're yeah. hearing it at the, at the wrong time. Yeah. But that kind of leads me into what we yeah. were going to talk about for today, which is I've been really thinking about um, this idea of, have you ever heard the phrase people say like, and it's funny because we were just talking about this. It's usually referred to as with women, which is pretty misogynistic, but she's so thirsty this person's thirsty i was trying to think if you hear that about men he's thirsty which maybe once or twice yeah do you think you've ever heard it around him for a man he's thirsty i've heard it once or twice um like desperate yeah needy it it's kind of like my understanding of if someone's thirsty is that it's a quench a kind of quenching that is never fulfilled because yeah. it's not coming from like a true thirst it's coming mm. from thirsty which is kind of like um the bottomless well where yeah. no matter how much water you put in there's a hole in the bucket and it's leaking so it's just never enough and then i was really thinking about that um because in jungian thought carl jung's work there's this idea of the daemon which is d-a-i-m-o-n and it's not demon it's daemon and that means your soul's genius and there's an idea that when you connect to your true soul's daemon it's a hunger and that there's a certain type of um, reason you incarnated purpose for you coming to this planet and you're supposed to have a natural hunger to kind of incarnate that purpose and desire and mission and i was just thinking about that idea of like being hungry versus thirsty and so it made me think of a instagram post i was like how can i talk say this kind of quickly and easily and i had this idea of be hungry not thirsty and what that's saying is and it's not really about eating versus drinking it's this idea of 
there's it's good to be hungry um, in, in terms of your soul does have certain things it wants to actualize as opposed to your spirit, which is more of the it's all good. It's all happened. Everything's already happened. So there's not like a hunger there. It's almost just like just beingness. But the soul part is about the joy of playing on planet Earth and the actualization, the incarnation, the individuation mm -hmm. of a human soul coming through the spirit into form and being able to enjoy and play with the material world and engage with people in that dance. And, and that is about achievement, not for egoic sake of to prove you're worthy of love or mm -hmm. something. But if you're a musician to dance with the song that wants to come through you, if you're Michelangelo yeah. to carve out the David or whatever to it's that hunger for fulfillment. Yeah. And there's, I think what you're making a discernment between with these two metaphors is, is there that, that bottomless well, like this wanting, 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 there's a version of that that feels egoic. And then there's a version of that that's soulful. I think a lot of people think spirituality means you don't want anything. Yeah. It's like, you're not desperate. You don't want money. You don't want a house. You don't want uh, recognition. You're, you're good, you know, as you are. But I think I disagree with that. When I look at souls, I really think that we have these desires built into us from the day we're born. That's like James Hillman, the whole blueprint of our soul. We actually have a whole chapter about hunger and holy love. Do you remember that? I don't even remember. Yeah. It's like talking about how we're born with this spiritual hunger. Well, the acorn you know? theory is yeah. this idea of like the oak trees within the acorn and mm -hmm. that the oak tree is always calling to the acorn to be more, grow into more, to actualize into kind of its yeah. destiny, its spiritual destiny. And there is something about the incarnation of that. A lot of people say they really appreciate that about meet your soul where they'll often say, yeah, I've never heard people distinguish between spirit and soul and talk about almost the feminine masculine dynamics, the yin yang thing of we all have within us both the yin yang of the it's all good part of us, which is more Eckhart Tolle, or even Buddhism, kind of the non-attachment piece of like, don't identify as the material world. Like, and that's classically what's been understood as spirituality of like, deny the, you know, physical world in some way so that you know yourself as not this incarnation. And there's a certain beauty and path to what that is. But the path of the soul is play, incarnate, come into the body. It's not about just enlightenment. It's about enlivenment and i think a lot of times when people have only known spirituality as eckhart tolle and 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 spirit-based things which are really good for lowering blood pressure and having perspective but they're not really great about the feminine face of god which yeah. is that piece of becoming your true essence in an incarnated embodied form which is more about the daemon and the soul and yeah. i think that's why we love using that word soul and it's higher self, you know, it's, it's your, it's your essence. It's who you are outside of who you think you are. But yeah, I think, uh, we talked about this, you know, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast. Uh, I think one way I'm just thinking of reframing it right now is there's a version of fulfillment that you can find right here, right now. There's one version of fulfillment, the spirit version, the masculine mm -hmm. side of God, of it, you know, fulfillment is really three breaths away. Just the ability to 
not be triggered in your nervous system to find peace and to know like you are okay you are loved you can find the miracle of the moment now yeah but then there's another type of fulfillment that you have to that's more linear like there's more of a path involved that has ups and downs and you're attached to outcomes the soul journey like the soul journey the feminine uh attachment part where it is more of a windy road Mm -hmm. and there can be disappointment sometimes like and i think we can judge that Mm. hey we shouldn't feel disappointed from that masculine Mm. part of ourselves like i should be feeling all good right now and that's why i think we have such an an issue with it is because a lot of people gaslight their inner feminine yeah when there's a disappointment which is a natural part of the journey you have to have ups and downs to be incarnated and you also have to have downs to get clarification and discernment so when shit doesn't go the way people want it's really easy to be like i should be spiritual i should be unattached and sometimes that's not the soul information sometimes yeah. the soul information is like be devastated Mm-hmm. And be in the truth of your feeling, not stay there forever. The point isn't to be forever devastated, but the point is to honor the feeling, to sink into the body, to let that ego death expand your awareness and incarnation yeah. through the emotional journey of that. In some ways, those are breadcrumbs of your soul path. Is Absolutely. what are the things that make you devastated? Oh, what are the things you're so attached good. to? Yes, to that's so real. It just makes me think. <laughs> Uh, that's like oh like a gut punch yeah. when you say that because it's so true it just makes me think our um son is doing musical theater right now and uh this summer he did a camp and it was his first time going up and performing mm. and he was nervous about doing it he's actually been really nervous about acting for a while and, I was and we a... always knew it was his destiny yeah. because he's such a little ham and like so <laughs> yeah. hungry at home yeah. maybe even a little thirsty for <laughs> endless attention, attention in yeah. that way but I, I was walking with him and he just we were both quiet and then he just turns to me and like you know what i think i'm ready to try acting it was like this big decision he had come to but anyways he did his performance and that at the end of his performance, he just burst into tears. Mm. And I was like, and I thought he was upset. Yeah. Like he did something wrong. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's like, I'm just so proud of myself. Mm-hmm. It was so heartbreaking. And so happy. And so happy. I didn't even tell you yesterday. He said, I was like, how are you liking? And he's like, he said something. I can't remember the exact quote. But it was basically like, I feel myself. Oh my God. When I'm on stage, like I can feel myself. Yeah. And I was just like, and I was like, what do you think that is? Why do you think that is? And he's like, cause I'm getting attention and, <laughs> and it wasn't, but I think it's funny that we're yeah. talking about the soul hunger versus thirst, because I do think for him, it's a little of that ironic. It's not just an egoic yeah. desire. It's like a true, like he is a performer at his core. And it's charged for him. Yeah. He'd care if he got an addition, didn't get an addition, and he's not, you know, of course yeah. we need, I need to practice having a mature, you know, yeah. emotional response. Like you're to not always going to get the part you want. You're yeah. not always going like, to get all yeah. the attention at every moment. And it's about finding your own inner, you know, attention and journey. But also, if you're wired and your soul is meant to perform, mm-hmm. there is just a joy in funneling channeling that yeah i can just tell it there will be roller coasters at points but it will be so fulfilling for him yeah and and that type of fulfillment is Mm. not the eckhart toll 
it's all good. No. It, you know, it's not like I'm finding my breath and I'm okay. Yeah. It's, it's embodying it's your soul, mm-hmm. beauty, music in mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And they're both important, you know, for different reasons. It's like when I'm feeling really heavy and overwhelmed, I'm going to pull on spirit practices. Yeah. And when I'm feeling kind of like disconnected to the planet, I'm going to go towards more yeah. soul it's to the pull balance, me the yin here. And yang. Yeah. yeah. Um, some things I was writing about riffing in my head about soul hunger versus ego thirst is basically that, that the soul is hungry, why the ego is thirsty. To me, the difference is, is the motivation behind your action coming from love or fear. When we're thirsty, it's coming from a place of, I don't feel good enough, so I need that external validation. And that's why it can never be fulfilled. Hole in the bucket, because... Mm nothing there's no amount of that type of chasing of either fame or whatever actually acting is a good thing because we have clients that are actors in la and we see people who are successful and people who aren't and and it has less to do with you're doing something right if you're successful and has more to do with you know what is your soul contract on it and what are you here to do but also we talked to a lot of famous people that are like well known and get a lot of attention and they still feel thirsty mm-hmm. and that is often when they're disconnected from their soul reasons as to why they got into it and then just cooking back into the soul information can release the, the thirst mm-hmm. and get them back on the track of the hunger path and what their soul why their soul chose potentially acting or comedy yeah. or some type of public arena in terms of whatever they're processing in this lifetime yeah it's, it's that whole cliche thing of right of getting everything you wanted mm-hmm. and then not being happy yeah but i think dissatisfaction can be a symptom of soul hunger mm-hmm. and so it's important to discern that to look into that and like you said to not gaslight it that's a I good think point so it's like how do you know the difference if you're unhappy i think you can constantly be uh using meditation techniques or whatever Mm -hmm. to like try to satisfy that thirst for the day you know to like Mm -hmm. quench that but it doesn't feed the hunger it's actually maybe not even quench the thirst it's almost like get a break from the thirst yeah which it's not always a bad thing like if you're feeling egoically tied into thirst it's actually smart to try to like mindfulness techniques or feeling yourself as essence outside of the egoic story to connect back into. Well, I think, but it never fulfills the soul hunger. That's what I think we're saying is like more the Eckhart Tolle or mindfulness practices TM, you know, they're going to be good for helping you reconnect as yourself as the sky and not identify as the clouds. But what it doesn't do is really necessarily give you the information of how to incarnate your soul mission. Yeah. Although sometimes just getting a break can help you reorganize into the extension of the form that God's trying to take in your lifetime in this moment, yeah. the, the color of your incarnation. But it's also, yeah, well, it's tricky I think to talk one, about. I, one way to reframe it too is like, are you an endless seeker? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like within the spiritual community, there's a lot of people that are like, I'm always seeking, 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 but never satisfied. Mm-hmm. And mm. and what is fulfillment, actually? Mm. You know, because uh, is fulfillment, it's usually not that break from, mm. you know, your yeah. life. It's usually not that, oh, my head's above water so I can see clearly. Those moments are really important. But it's like what you're, the soul path you're on, it's not 
like where is it leading to i think that a lot of our work with people is like we want you to come to some actually fulfilling conclusions in your life yeah. and come to some actually fulfilling s- stops yeah. and you might have more of your journey after that like that our journeys that obviously never end but also it's not just about doing the spiritual work all the time like there's there's got to be a point where you're like and I did it yeah I completed something I have a satisfaction from completing this thing internally. Mm. I feel something reson- more resonant with my soul. I feel more incarnated. I feel more here. I feel more love in my life. It's so interesting because, God, this is, it's funny because it's like a small topic, but there's like so much to say on it because yeah. I think we all know, um, I think sometimes our issue with the Buddhist philosophy, and this isn't Buddhist people. Because Can I just say one more thing yeah. on that? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it's kind of the difference between uh, healing versus being healed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways we, like, there's a Jungian phrase, like, you don't heal your wounds, you outgrow your wounds. So in, in a sense, I'm not trying to say, like, at some point all your shit should be healed. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is, uh, you should have satisfying moments where you feel like you have a more loving mature relationship towards that wound yeah and where i think we all know those spiritual secret people that are like you don't you feel really kind of sporadic is what i meant to say yeah and all over the place um it's interesting yeah because that's kind of what i was about to say is that like i think some of our lack of um embodied passion we feel with buddhist philosophy or even eckhart tolle is like there's a feeling in many of the practitioners, not all of them, right? I can't totally generalize, but of like an emptiness and like I'm at peace, but it's not an enlivened incarnation. It feels like spaciousness, mm-hmm. which can have different qualities to it. Like the spaciousness of Ram Das feels very soulful to me, but it doesn't feel empty, mm-hmm. more like a, a vacancy Uh, in a human form there's more of a like fulfilling up in that way and i think what's interesting is i was listening on um youtube maybe i'll try to link it somehow in this somehow on this we'll link it it. um tammy tammy simon from sounds true was interviewing ram das and eckhart tolle on the stage and i forget her question was either like what is god or what is love and their answers were so radically different and um and eckhart said something very kind of Eckerdish, and then Ramdas used the term soul and I think his thing for love was like love this is post stroke so he's speaking really slowly and you can really feel his words and he's just like love is soul speak and it was like this idea of these like two souls really connecting and that love is the moment that the two souls are really seeing each other and then mm. marinating in that presence, the embodied incarnation of that, which is so different than this idea of like this spirit, all is oneness, which is, they're both true, but they're just yeah. like different faces of God and goddess. And it's like, I'm so like, generally biased towards soul because I feel like we've done the other thing like for 2000 years on the planet. And what we haven't done is we're still gaslighting the feminine in so many ways with our spirituality. I know we talk about this all the time, but I think it's, if we're talking about it in terms of incarnation, it is kind of soul hunger is when you're here, it is being here now. Well, you shared that other, we were talking about that another amazing Ram Dass quote recently where he was talking to his spiritual teachers on the other side mm. and he, 
and he was like, what am I doing right or wrong or something, you, you know? And they said, well, you've really tried to be holy, mm-hmm. but have you tried to be human? Mm-hmm. Which is so ironic mm-hmm. and yeah. crazy. Like, We're like, we love that. We didn't make, we made why. the name after, we, uh, you know, I mean, we, yeah. we heard the quote after that. Uh, I think we, I was reading an old Sun magazine, which is such a great magazine article where he, they were inter- interviewing him at some point about, I didn't know about his struggles with sexuality, that he was homosexual and felt just like he was kind of struggling sometimes with not his necessarily homosexuality, but with the impulse to sexuality at all in terms of almost a nuisance mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> Lily's also struggling dog. with it sometimes, <laughs> but just, you know, feeling how does that how is that holy and Mm -hmm. and what parts of that is or isn't his true self i think too sometimes why why we're advocates of the feminine side spirituality attachment is because you you know culturally that masculine side takes up so much of the microphone for spiritual conversations Mm -hmm. uh and what's hard about selling attachment is you're opening yourself up to vulnerability of pain Mm -hmm. in some ways because when you're attached you care if you get the audition or if you don't get the audition you care if you succeed in your soul mission or if you don't succeed Mm -hmm. you know and so it's more complicated it's not more nuanced but it is i think ultimately more satisfying and feeling the The beautiful thing about your soul mission is though when you're failing you're succeeding because the failure is part of the soul orchestration and the beauty of what's trying to be born through you so it's like our ego judges it as i failed i didn't get the role or i didn't get but the soul's like laughing because it's like all perfect and i think one thing we're trying to say is you almost have to let yourself feel the failure yeah to know what you want as success what does success mean to you personally because if you're playing a monopoly game and you're so aware the whole time this is game this is a game i don't care i'm not it's not i'm not engaged in it yeah then why are you playing the game it's not even fun you have yeah. to to some degree you know withhold the suspension of belief to come into the game yeah to embody the game and to play the game um some of the things i was playing with when i was writing up about the soul's hungry why the ego is thirsty is hunger is what pushes us to polish our art and to start early and leave late it's passion you know it's like when we're hungry we are invested we are attached the jury about our art or our work it's internal there is a jury but it's not about what everyone else thinks what how the ego feels what our parents think what our friends think but for soul it's like did i sing my song Mm -hmm. you know yeah and when you're hungry you're humble to the project when you're an ego and you're thirsty you're not it's inflated it's always there's never enough yeah i think um also i wanted to say that daemon doesn't always have to be like an external uh like success in the world type right. of thing a lot of people really confuse mm-hmm. their soul path with like i'm going to be a famous actor mm-hmm. we're obviously like it's way more nuanced than that right <laughs> like your soul mission is not it's like who are you affecting how are you affecting these people and how happy are you with your life and and so your soul mission can be like gardening you know, Frida Kahlo, like of... I think, was really successful with a lot of her soul missions and lessons. Yeah. And she, when she died, like they didn't have money. She was like struggling her whole life in terms mm-hmm. of getting paid 
valued for her work. And then after she dies, she's like the number one female artist of all time in terms yeah. of how much her paintings go for. And so who knows what her ego assessment was of her success as yeah. an artist, but on a soul level, it's like non-comparable. Because you were talking to me the other day about Anita Morjani Mm -hmm. and who wrote the book Dying to Be Me. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. You should definitely read it. Uh, it's about her experience getting cancer, having a near-death experience, and then coming back and all the knowledge and wisdom she gained from yeah. that. And I I don't know if I wrote this in a year or so, but I found her after my out-of-body experience when I was daily on the NDE.org, which mm -hmm. is near-death experiences. So before she was known, I read and found Which is really fun to go her, read almost 30 page testimonial of her experience on the other side and i was weeping because i was like resonant and i was like this woman i don't know it wasn't like anonymous so i didn't even know her name at that time i don't oh, think wow. but it was like i totally believe this account i can feel the energy of it and so much um comfort mm -hmm. knowing you know i needed stories like that at the time like to validate the kind of chaotic aftermath and attempted integration of my own experience so i was so grateful to her and so then yeah later it was sent to wayne dyer who also had that same experience i did of like this is absolute truth who is this woman he told hay house to actually go find her and that's how she got her oh, wow. deal and mm -hmm. it was through synchronicities that that all kind of came about and then wrote her beautiful book i just yeah love her but yeah yeah so we were talking about a passage she wrote about kind of like incarnating your soul uh, and finding what you're passionate about like that line where your soul is lit up in your body your frequency increases your vibration increases because you're doing what lights you up what makes you passionate and you asked me you're like what is it that makes you passionate or maybe i was just thinking about it after we talked about it uh <laughs> And I was, I was like, really the thing that gets me like the most excited mm -hmm. on like a soul level where mm -hmm. I feel incarnated is just like f hanging out with you guys <laughs> and like family, you know, yeah. like, and just, and it was interesting. And also, I don't know if that would have always been my answer. Well, I was going to say you've had such a interesting yeah. soul hunger around music and, and, mm -hmm. and soul journey around that. I don't even know if we've ever talked about the podcast about you flying that whole story i don't know if you want to talk about that or not do we have time 30 minutes okay i'll give yeah. an abbreviated version of it yeah uh before i met elisa i was a musician just torn around and i really thought that's like what i was meant to be doing because it was the only thing in my head like i had i made one option well, i do myself. think that was what you meant to be doing well, yeah at that time, sure yeah um and then it was just I mean but I also kind of hated playing shows and going out and I was in LA and I hated like touring and did you I, always hate shows you I mean you yeah. didn't, you definitely enjoyed some shows didn't mm, you I mean I enjoyed moments but I was I just got so burnt out so what was quick, the general feeling you had in your body on stage fear <laughs> <laughs> really terror yeah like really yeah it's just funny because when I think of you on stage and I remember just seeing you that's not what I would have thought. I feel like where I found my real like happy place with music was like creating it. You know, because I was about to like, say, why did you do it and composing why? it? So you were like, I love writing it. Yeah. So I guess I got to perform it. Yeah, that's kind of, what, and so it just like my rational, you know, 
uh, mind was just like, okay, I, I'm writing songs, but, but, so but, I should but, be... Okay, but I gotta say, I've seen you channeling on stage where people are, like, moved and crying in the audience, mm-hmm. so you, what's your experience when that's happening? You must, like... No, I think, well, when I'm writing a song, I feel like I have this, like, I, I'm having a spiritual experience when, yeah. you know... And sometimes it's easier for me to connect to that when I'm, like, alone. Like, I'll, like, light candles. Do you remember the Olympia show when everybody was, like... Well, what what I was going to say is then when I go up on stage, I do try to find that place again. Mm -hmm. And I I think sometimes I do it, but it's almost like I need for the audience to melt away. Mm Because I'm not caring what they... I can't be singing for them, you Mm -hmm. know, in a way. But anyways... uh. I, when we uh, had our kids, I stopped playing shows. It was just too much going out. I wasn't loving it anyways. And I was joined in on the soul business. And we were doing, uh, you know, sessions. And I was helping you write your book and everything and host retreats. And uh, then at one point, I got contacted by somebody on The Voice. And they were like... What is the voice for people? I mean, I mean, if you don't, don't you know, know the voice. Well, people aren't all in America. <laughs> I, guess I guess everybody's shocked. Yeah. Okay. Pamela the voice Anderson is a TV show. It's a TV show where it's about it's a singing competition. Singing competition, uh, where you obviously you get like internet. At the time, I think that you were contacted was like Gwen Stefani, who was also on at the time. I think Blake Sheldon's been on it forever. And maybe Pharrell at the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I got contacted. Uh, they basically were like, we have a private audition that uh, you would skip the line like from thousands of people to like... Like they asked like, you like to come. Yeah. yeah, like a hundred, mm-hmm. you know, people. Flew you to where? Where did you go? Well, so first what happened is then I talked to my soul. I was like, okay, so what do you think? Should I do this? You know, because I kind of wasn't really planning on doing this music thing. And he was like, no. And then I... No, uh, don't go? Yeah, he said, no, do not go. Oh. And so then... And I checked in, like, three times. You're just forgetting the story. Yeah. But so I kept (laughs) soldiering, and my information was like, no, no, no. And then we had a flight ticket that had... We had Mm -hmm. to cancel a flight, so I had a free flight ticket. and For up to a year. And I happened to call them that week to see... uh, If we could get it refunded or something. And like, no, you have to use it, and it'll expire... The day after the weekend of the auditions. Oh my so it's like basically like, here's it's a sign. It's a sign. Here's a free <laughs> ticket. Yada yada. And I sold journal again. And my soul's like, no, don't go. Really? Have we not told the story? No, before? I just can't believe that was the information. Because I feel like then I would have been like, don't go. Did you tell me that at the time? Yeah, I think though you were. Confused. I think we were confused by the <laughs> synchronicity. The okay, so flashing, that, you know, right. potential of yeah, fame like and they reached fortune. out to you. I think it yeah. made so much sense too because it was like you left your music career to come to this little island and do this business with me and raise the kids. And then I think we always it didn't make sense because to me I'm like you're my favorite musician. Yeah. I'm like why aren't you just like doing that? Because I think that makes perfect yeah. sense for you. But then we were like, but it doesn't make sense also, to tour as yeah. a family and yeah. it's too much. And we tried to do that for a little well, moment and it was yeah. too much. So then we had said before that happened, like the only way it would happen for you is if it was something like The Voice mm-hmm. that was going to make it easier. Yeah just easy to build a platform without having to like tour all that because musicians are always like going around yes. schlepping and touring also when we met 
you were like, you should go to L.A. and make yeah. music and don't be with me. Right. You know, which was not the sole information. So, you know, I think you, well, it just you want what made good things sense me. to yeah. me. Yeah. But I got better things. Um, <laughs> so my soul kept telling me no. I decided to do it anyways. I went against my soul information. Mm-hmm. The morning of Classic. Uh, getting in the van to drive to the airport, I slammed my finger in the door so bad and then i was like should i is it broken should i not go and 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 you were playing guitar and singing for your audition and you busted the hand you'd be playing your guitar with yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh so i went anyways my finger got worse and worse in the flight it it got it was swelling up like crazy i called my doctor and she was like you can do, there's like a burst a blood vessel in your you finger. You had to, she had you go and get. And she was like, you can do like a little minor surgery in your hotel room by burning a paper clip and poking holes in your First of nail. all, what town did you go to? I forget the name uh, of it. Was it St. Louis? No, I went to that really famous town in oh Tennessee God. where, where Elvis is from. I don't even remember. Is it the name of it? We're so bad at this kind of stuff. I feel like I'll look it up while you're talking. So, okay. so you, I was on the phone with you, and I had been talking to our doctor, and she was telling you and me how you were going to go out because everything was closed, and you yeah. got in this kind of bad part of town. You were in this hotel, and you had to leave your hotel and go find a paper clip and a lighter, and a lighter, which everybody thought I was like doing drugs, yeah, or something, and because she wanted you to light. The paper clip to, to make like it hot sterilize and to sterilize it, and, it and then stick it through the top of your nail yeah. where it was being filled with blood yeah. to release the pressure. Mm-hmm. And you said it was like the most painful thing ever. Yeah. So that didn't go well. Then the next morning I showed up and just like winced through it, uh, the pain, and totally failed the audition. And I remember at the end of the audition, I thought, oh, like, woe is me. I felt so bad for myself. And I was like, if only this thing hadn't happened to my finger, and then the guy coming in next after me. Had... It's not Alabama, right? Because no. Muscle Shoals is in Alabama. No, it's not Muscle Shoals. Okay, sorry, I thought that's um, what it was. I finished the audition, and I was, you know, feeling bad about my finger, and then the guy who walked in after me had one arm. <laughs> that's and, so ridiculous. And was playing in terms of like a soul orchestra. Yeah, and he was playing his guitar with one arm like he had figured out you know like he had made that work and he had duct taped the guitar to his like torso and so it was just he just like made it work and so it just felt like this cosmic joke from the universe where i was feeling so bad for myself (laughs) because i hurt my finger and then i was like this guy doesn't have an arm and i was like i would have done it you know Mm. succeeded if only my finger worked and then like this guy came in and i was like what do you think the message was of that I think it was just like this wasn't meant to be like it's not you know if it was meant to be you could make it work if Mm -hmm. you had one arm you know (laughs) yeah like uh, I'm going to just because I feel like that I'm going to tell my whole life story in three minutes because I feel like we're talking about satisfaction versus thirst Mm -hmm. and hunger versus thirst and soul mission and everything um, and I'm just, I feel like a huge part of my soul path was writing holy love and holy love to me was really grappling with this idea of what really is unconditional love. What really does that feel like? And what is that? And I realized that that question was burning in me, part of my soul path, part of the instilled hunger 
within me from the beginning because I didn't really get that from my family growing up. And so I think music became a way of Mm. me trying to get approval and it was endless. It felt like thirst. I think I play music now and it feels great if I'm not needing reflection from it, you know? Uh, And I think that with Holy Love, it felt like something really, really completed. It was like the question that Mm. was burning in my soul was like, and it also was the question of like, we talk a lot about soul, but really what is God? What is the divine? And I really came to the conclusion, like it's unconditional love. And when you're participating, when you feel that, when you receive that, you're participating in the divine. And so Holy Love felt like it was like satisfied, period. You know, like, not healing, healed, period. Like, Mm -hmm. it, that journey was completed. Mm. And now, the next news is, is I've gone into real estate, and I've been selling houses uh, the last few months. I announced this on social media. I don't know if podcast listeners are Mm -hmm. hearing that or not. I'm doing sessions, too. I was doing some fixer-upper house flips, and got my license because uh, it was kind of practical I was planning on going just part-time and then I got offered a position at a really great um, Sotheby's international firm uh, on our island and I've just been loving it it's just it's been... actually been so cool I was just saying today in the session because we're when this all started coming around we're like this seems so different than what you've been doing yeah but it's been funny to watch how it's actually not how you're using your intuitive skills like in crazy ways to kind of help people who might not have normally gotten what they wanted in terms of like the price the timing talking myself just all day yesterday long yeah it's like yeah. using the intuitive information to help people find their dream homes it's really cool to see yeah. you make this esoteric information like super practical yeah. and and it really came down to i was like okay i completed it soul mm-hmm. i did it yeah. i've i followed the crumbs i you know did the journey and now what and it was this feeling of kind of like well now you just really deserve to be happy like and then i was like well what would make me happy and i was like mm, an early retirement sounds really <laughs> nice and just feeling uh like having this super flexible career i show up when i want to show up and i'm doing this stuff anyways mm-hmm. like i'm kind of we were fixing up our house on Bainbridge and I was already learning all like everything about houses from the pipes, floorboards to the ceilings and fence permitting. And it was very Zen in a way. And like, it was like, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling very satisfied. Well, I think we've been out in the ethers for so long doing that work. There's something super practical and grounded about it. That's like nice balance. And it's, it's also interesting. I don't know if you're done with this part because it's interesting what you said about the, I feel like your mission your journey with music went from there was always a part of you that I think is a musician, like actually will be yeah. your whole life. If you hear whether, snoring, by the way, it's, it's dog. Like, whether you want to be or not, it's like how you process the world and like it is who you are, like just listening to movies, you're really noticing soundtracks, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. But then so there's a part of you that it was always soul and daemon with music. Yeah. But then there was a thirst component, the yeah. ego about where you weren't loved, how music was a coping skill, because it was also a defense for feeling yeah. lonely in mm-hmm. your family growing up and an escape. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not bad, too. I think it was useful to have that tool. But then as you evolved and kind of came more into yourself, it's like re 
evaluating your relationship with music and then what are the parts coming from love or fear and then what do you want it to do with it and what feels really good i but, was very emotionally like uncomfortable as a child and then i when i would play music it was a way of like connecting with those emotions and putting them out yeah. and i would sing i sang some really like depressing songs yeah <laughs> and i remember i played a show in high school and three girls got up and ran on the show at different times and i was like what happened and my friend was like they were going to cry in the bathroom because it was so sad that song you sang the empath song um, i believe yeah and uh so you know it was my way of like like all good art of which your soul is like, probably like so happy about because it's kind of like breaking through yeah. people's egos to, but like, i think feel. it's interesting if you think about a thirst hunger thing there's definitely like some satisfaction in that but it did feel a little bit like it was my it was my zen moment of stepping out of things because i was so involved in what was in the moment yeah but then after the song i was still hungry you know, and also I can think back to like when we were first together, it's been, we just had our 11 year anniversary this week, mm -hmm. but when we were first together, I remember there was parts where you had perfectionism on music in terms yeah. of like coming from fear of if I do this right, then X, yeah. Y, Z, uh -huh. and that would be coming from a thirst or fear place. Yeah. And you knew it at the time and you were like working on it and like, sort of. <laughs> but you, yeah. you know, I knew, knew it, it, but did you I knew it listen? Yeah. But yeah, but I think it was you have look at you have yeah. like you did do it. you should actually be really proud because mm -hmm. like and i do think holy love was such a completion of that part of that wound within yeah. you but um but yeah just to get back to this idea of hunger versus thirst it's like i think when you're really hungry on a soul level you are humble and willing to be used for the mission of what's trying to be born through you like mm -hmm. when you channel a song yeah and there is like a humility to it it's not the ego just trying to get attention. There's like a surrendering to something greater and it's not just this fanfare, but it is this love of the work and that hunger does it for the love. Yeah. And there is kind of this lion energy of like this sovereign royalty of like the respect of the, the art or the piece or the experience, the soul project where I think thirst doesn't have that quality of almost like royalty to it. You can always feel when true art's happening, like K Tempest poems or, you know, these moments happen. You're just like, we've been watching Lauren Hill's um, poem this week called motives and prayers. I think it's called motives mm, and uh, thoughts, thoughts and motives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll have to link to it, it. Yeah. but it's so good and powerful. And I think whenever these, like these channelings come through, you can feel that's, hunger right there was something she was hungry for to say and she said it and it's so just deliciously good when that kind of a yeah moment happens versus thirst always feels kind of like addictive i think there's an addictive quality that it's never fulfilled and when it's coming from ego and hunger comes from a desire to become who you truly are and to incarnate what you have always spiritually been uh, and hunger wants to celebrate that anointed spiritual desire on earth and hunger fulfills a soul wish it's not spiritual to starve meaning again that it's like sometimes this idea like i'm spiritual if i don't need it more of the kind of like buddhist philosophy but it's also spiritual to incarnate the desire mm -hmm. of the dream of your birth the dream of who you were meant to be and the purpose of what you are supposed to be and trusting that and having faith in that dream of you 
and that if we're human, we're here to eat. We need to eat to be on this planet. I think also we deserve to eat. Isn't like another, we're meant to eat because I think with the yeah and the world set up for all us is to one. Eat. All, it's all good. It's kind of like oh, I don't need it. Yeah, I don't need that type of spiritual set or whatever our yeah. worldly satisfaction. You could I, go into whole thing too. I think anorexia and Marion Woodman yeah, really mm-hmm. investigated like when you're starving, yeah. the metaphor of I'm not allowed to incarnate this life love wish of the embodied form of what the dream of me is yeah and just the last note on because i kind of did my whole personal story there and journey is i think the ending of that is really coming to a place of like oh i really deserve to be happy Mm -hmm. and deserve to have nice things and you know (laughs) play on this planet you know and um not to uh like sound like I'm bragging but it, this is just I'm trying to show the conclusion of this is like I've been doing it now licensed for just like four months and I just realized today that I have done 3.8 million dollars in sales so far so yeah. it's been pretty nice intuition yeah. does have material and world benefits a lot of intuition yeah and it's so great, too, because then it's like we can do the things philanthropically we want to do, yeah. like give money to like where we believe it should. I remember once being at a like a workshop with Cheryl Richardson and her saying, you know, all the spiritual people are always like, I don't need money. And she's like, but we need you guys to like have the money because it's the people you don't want all the nar- sociopathic narcissists with the money. You want the people who are going to share and spread it and put yeah. it in good places to philanthropic. We yeah. funnel it into mm-hmm. the places that are good. So anyway, that is all kind of the idea of like, yeah, it's not about renouncing everything, but it's as actually kind of celebrating this plane of existence as yeah. well, mm-hmm. but doing it with responsibility and care and connection. So, that idea that hunger does fulfill a soul wish and and thirst whereas thirst is from ego and can't be quenched and it compares itself to others all the time social media thirst doesn't necessarily know its worth and it, it comes from fear it's addictive and it's louder than it needs to be it's kind of like tries to get attention because it doesn't have that core connection to its just eternal value yeah so I think we really worked this topic. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to go such I didn't a know like. I was going to get so personal on this one. How do you feel about it? I think good. I'll I'll feel vulnerable later. I'll you know hit stop on record and, and then doubt it. No, no, I'm just joking. I yeah, I mean, um, always one just funny thing that I was just thinking of is there's this Jack Johnson song called Posters that I actually. Um, mentioned to him after a show once and uh i brought this up to him because at the time this was 1990 god would it have been like 97 so before he was famous really he was opening for ben harper and i found him from napster and from surf movies i was just like who what's oh, the this napster, music? Days. napster days and um and i after a small show in seattle i think it was at the tractor tavern i knocked on the door and he like opened it and no, actually, it was funny. I said, does the person, it was his bassist who answered. And I said, oh, I just have something to say to Jack. And I said it like that. Like, I knew him and I didn't. And with such authority that he went and got Jack around the corner and brought him to me. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I just want to say to you um, how much I love your poster song. Because the teen girls, we were really, it's a song about being thirsty. 
And it's a song about like, um, there's one line that has to do with all of this, but it's, it's kind of comparing yourself to this poster on the wall and a feeling insecure. Um, I think there's just one line I always get stuck in my head that I think about a lot. And I told him, I was like, we really appreciate that you wrote this song because it was kind of really hitting the teen girls I was working with in terms of like identifying something that they felt sometimes within themselves and were uncomfortable with. But it was like this one line that's like, because when the pretty girl walks, she walks so proud. And when the pretty girl laughs, oh man, she laughs so loud. And that idea of just like that, what is that energy of like sucking, sucking, needing attention and kind of, and I think that's pretty all over these days with TikTok and stuff. So it's kind of just nice to have that orientation of like, what is hunger? What is thirst? How do we connect on a soul level? What is ego? What's the part that is addictive and not fulfilled? And then how can we navigate the differences? Well, between thirst, that? I think what that lyric and it brings up for me is thinking thirst may be based off of others, mm-hmm. you know, like getting something from external approval yeah ego so lisa told me we should end this podcast on one of my songs just because we've been doing it also if you ever want to buy a house in the northwest (laughs) that's if you want to work with an empath intuitive house uh realtor this is the one to do it with you can listen to this music on alexa's all over if you say play adam foley something true the album's called something true you have to say both of them. Otherwise, there's other, there's Adam, other Foley Adam Foley techno music that will come up that is not world. this yeah. Adam Foley. Yeah. Play something true by Adam Foley, something like that. Okay. Anyways, enjoy. It was good doing a podcast after not doing yes, it so long. I'm glad we did it. Yeah. When the day is quiet, the dimming light catches fire. When the clouds light The silent sky opens wider I find the space between you and I Is a sign of a holy desire I find forever is just broken time Take our hearts Burn bright 
night sky open wider I find those things I left far behind In her eyes come closer and closer I find those moments tend to rewrite I will 